welcome once again to the Great Stories Podcast. I am Ryan Weber, your host for the show, and what you are listening to uh, is a show where I sit across the table from uh, another human being. Maybe it's uh, someone I know, maybe someone I don't, maybe we're just meeting them for the first time, but either way, we hear people's stories. We hear the highs and lows of their life, uh, some of the significant events, but most importantly, we dig down and we find out how they came to know Christ as their Lord and Savior and what it's meant for them to follow him in the context of their real life. Uh, these interviews are unscripted. Uh, they're unedited. They're, uh, we don't script anything out or, or talk ahead of time. Or, there's no agenda here except for you to really uh, get inside the mind of another person and understand their walk following Christ from their perspective. I'm trying to just keep these interviews as just authentic and real as possible. I, I believe that people's own stories tell uh, the gospel the best, and that's what we're trying to do. Uh, if you like something you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do that. The, the first way you can do that is simply by sharing uh, the episodes. Uh, if you listen to it on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher, you can you can give it a thumbs up and a five star. That helps people find it sooner. Or you can jump online and you can actually share the links to the show uh, either on your Facebook or you can text it to people. Uh, either way, it's my prayer that people who need to hear the words that are coming out of my guests' mouths will get those words. And, and I'm praying that uh, you listening right now have, have received it that way and would share it also. Uh, not so that the, the Great Stories podcast could be something amazing, but so that just the name of Christ can be known by people. And and those who believe will be encouraged, and those who don't might actually come too. Very exciting. Uh, another way you can support the show, uh, you know, it's shockingly cheap to put on a podcast. Really, this is not an expensive adventure, but I pay for it out of pocket. And any help, anybody be willing to send down my way would be great. We got a Patreon account uh, online at patreon.com. Just search for the great stories podcast uh so today uh i am welcoming the first uh, official pastor onto the show uh this is a guy who who just had an amazing journey moving from michigan to the bay area california to plant uh the second campus of resonate church in hayward california uh an amazing guy uh, smart guy really an inspiration to me in a lot of ways you know i told him the first time i met him that i was glad he's here uh and now you know three uh, gosh four plus years later um i'm beginning to understand why i should be glad that will medell is with us um he's three years into a church plant in hayward and he's he you know he he took the interview in directions that i didn't expect which is a great pastor move to do because uh really what he tells isn't so much the story of planting a church in Hayward. It's actually a, a reformation of his own heart through the process. Um, man, it's an honor to know this guy. It's an honor to call him a brother. And uh, I'm honestly anticipating even greater things in the future for Pastor Will Medell. Uh, hope you enjoy this interview as much as we enjoyed recording it. Here we go. Here we are. It's 
about time, man. What took you so long? Welcome aboard. I know. <laughs> when, when did I text you about this? Like six months ago? I can, I can look it up. <laughs> Dang it. Well, it's not like you're not a busy fella. Yeah, I think we're both occupied. I, I keep a good a good calendar myself. Yeah. So Look um, at the Google calendar with like 15 different colors yeah, for different events. The color coded. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, man. I just want it to be pretty. That's all. I, I make up events just to even out the color scheme. I just want my... it to be blank. <laughs> well, um, I wanted to start by giving you something. I, I was at the store today and I thought of you. I thought I wanted to give you something that I knew would be a blessing. Is it a bottle of ketchup? It's your very own bottle <laughs> of Heinz established in 1869 really real tomato ketchup. There's 57 varieties, but this is yours. Dude, I'll take it. Thank yeah. you very much. We, we could always use this in the Medell household. Yes, I know. I I have been witness to the heckling you receive for your love of ketchup, even though it's untrue to your people. You know it would be better than, than <laughs> Heinz ketchup? If if you gave me Hunt's ketchup. Hunt, they didn't have Hunt's. Because I, I live at the old Hunt's cannery in Hayward. Oh, that's right. That's where I live. Well, That'd be wild, huh? I just I wanted to express my heartfelt support and uh, your freedom to have poor taste in food just like that's anybody funny. else does. <laughs> so. You know what's you know what's funny is uh, I actually don't use as much ketchup as I used to when I first got here. Oh. Now it's the hot we, sauce. Okay. Yeah. So Cholula or Tapatio? Uh I've got two bottles of Tapatio and they're both yes. just about gone. One stays in my office, so if people come to the resonate office and you ever need some hot sauce, just go next to my Lego collection and grab the hot sauce. You're the hookup. That's right. I'm a Cholula guy myself. I, I just like the wooden ball yeah. for some reason that makes me happy. I don't know. That that's probably a Newark thing. I think in Hayward we go with Tapatio. <laughs> you say it authentically too. I Maybe that's my problem. Yeah. Well, well Tapatio is actually, <laughs> excuse me, uh, there's a there's a national folkloric dance from the state of Jalisco called Jarabe Tapatio. Ooh. And so the Jarabe is like really important to our culture. Uh, it's known affectionately in America as the Mexican hat dance. But the oh. actual name is El Jarabe Tapatio. I did that hat dance. Like when I was in, uh, well, let's see it, man. When third grade, I don't let's remember. See it. Let's see it right now. <laughs> I don't remember it. <laughs> we've got, we've got some square footage here, man. I don't have the hat. Shoot, I got all the other hats. Well, man. you got a lot of hats in yeah, here. Yeah, I don't so know. I'm sure we're boring the, uh, the audience. Around. No, they love this. This is, <laughs> it's my show. Do what I right, want. Man. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, so you are, you're the first official, pastor. That, is that right? That I've had on. I've had two elders and a whole bunch of other fantastic folks, but. Uh, and you're you're the second Haywardian. Yeah, it's tough to follow DJ Stellar. He was good. Those are big shoes to fill, literally. Yeah, and dangerous shoes. Yeah, I can't. Fill. Yeah, I don't mess with him. Yeah, we've. He's talked to me before about if if we were to fight, like he thinks <laughs> I, would, I would win, and I said you're crazy. I would pay money to I, see that fight. I had him kick me once, <laughs> just really like I, I told him like give me like ten percent, and it hurt. Yeah. Like, okay. Because I don't know what I'm doing. Whatever. That's the difference. DJ has technique. Technique. Yeah. So if you, you might hit him and hurt him, but he <laughs> might kill you. I've got about two seconds where I could be dangerous. Beyond that, the technique takes over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's well, a problem. Thank you so much for coming. Um, you are the campus pastor for the uh, Hayward plant of Resonate Church, which is three years old. Yeah. We turned three uh, last week. 
that's a big milestone, right? For like any church plant. It's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, um, we definitely had a big celebration. Yeah. I, th- I think the first one is the one where you really go <laughs> a whole year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, we're going to survive by yeah. God's grace. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, three years, it, it came by quickly. And then, um, in one month, uh, my family will have been here for four years. Whoa. Yeah. Dude. So the staff party coming up will be our fifth staff party. That's yeah. incredible. I Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We got here December 1st, 2019. Wow. I mean, we started the transportation of hauling with the covered wagons over the Rockies in November, right. but <laughs> That's right. Yeah, cuz I I remember I remember the first Sunday you were there. You were wearing your your big black trench coat. Yeah. Cuz you guys don't have heat at American High School. It was cold. <laughs> But I figured you'd be used to that, Michigan fella. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. Actually, it's funny story is uh, when we got here, uh, I took my kid outside, Elijah. Yeah. And uh, I think it was like 60 degrees outside, and we were playing without, we were playing in shorts and with a t shirt. <laughs> and it's December, and everybody's all bundled up. And we had to hide underneath the slide because we were too hot. <laughs> we were actually sweating That's when so everybody's wearing sweaters and coats and everything and then a little bit later yeah we're having a party next door hang on so a couple a couple weeks later i dropped my son isaiah off to school and i walk out this lady starts yelling at me and she's (laughs) she's going nuts and and i didn't understand her and I didn't understand what she was saying. And finally, I just stopped her. I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. I know you're upset. But could you tell me what, what the problem is? She's like, she said, your son. I'm like, what did he do? She said, he has no jacket. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, is that a problem? She said, she said, it's cold out here. And after the shock wore off, I said, oh, ma'am, no, this is not cold. You don't understand. <laughs> So on the way on the That's way here, funny. I drove I drove down eighty. So eighty goes to Chicago. I right. drove down eighty to get here. Yeah, and we went through Wyoming, and it was five degrees outside. And I'm and I was wearing exactly what I'm wearing right now, which for the this is a very visual podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I have shorts on right now and yeah. sandals, and that's what I wore to California. It was five degrees outside. I'm pumping gas, and snow's flying sideways. And I came Rich. with my best friend Brett Lawrence. And we're both, I mean, we're, we're Chicagoans. Yeah. And so my son, before we left, it was 20 degrees outside, snow's flying sideways. And he won't zip up his jacket. And I'm looking at him because, you know, I don't want I don't want mom to get mad at him. Like, yeah. Hey, boy, zip up your jacket. He's like, why, Dad? It's, it's warm out here. And I'm like, that's my boy. <laughs> that's my boy. I love it. Yeah. So anyway, all that. You've softened some since then. You're not Man, so hard anymore. Uh, no. I mean, I still wear shorts all year round for setup and teardown. <laughs> yeah. Just because um, it's it's uh, it's it's a lot. We yeah. have a lot of ground to cover because uh, the hub is is not not compact. Right. And so I have to usually hustle here and there. So it's just I don't like wearing long pants. Man, maybe I'm made for Chicago weather more than it because I'm always hot. Yeah, always, maybe. always hot. I mean, I was walking outside on the way here. I'm like, man, this is perfect weather. Yeah, it's good out there. Yeah, yeah. 
I tell people that I'm, I'm like a, like if you get a giant turkey for, um, for Thanksgiving, I'm like you have to let it thaw longer. Yeah. You know, just the heat yeah. transfer rate is not mm-hmm. as, I think there's something like the, the, the surface area to mass problem is a, it's a thing for me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you keep that one, man. All right, <laughs> I'm still working on that that theory. We'll see. Yeah. So, um, Hayward resonate. Yeah, resonate Hayward. So you um, you were born and raised in Chicago, or were, no, were, man? I was born and raised in Saginaw, Michigan. Maybe you've heard the, of this dude named uh, Draymond Green. Yes. So. He was actually born and raised in Saginaw. I'm, I'm from a small That's village. Right. Uh, my village uh, is uh, Bridgeport, Michigan. I'm a Bearcat. Go Bearcats. Right is there anybody out there listening? Bearcats. Yeah, class of 96. <laughs> I'm old. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I grew up um, Saginaw, Michigan, and then uh, went to the University of Michigan, which is in, in Ann Arbor, and... Uh, got married and my wife and I moved to uh, Chicago so I could go to seminary right on to become a pastor yeah when I was at Michigan I had a call to become a pastor what did, what does that sound like um that, that call that's a great question yeah it's the best question <laughs> you could ask all day <laughs> um there there is no definitive way to answer that question I think um the best way to think about a call if anybody's asking like am I called to yeah. Serving res kids, uh, am I called to? And I hope you are. And I and man, if you're if you're called to serving res kids, let me know, and I will help you out any way mm. I can. Um, a call just kind of consists of two things. One is um, there's nothing else on your heart that you want to do. Mm. And so for me, um, if you ask me what I would do, like if for some reason I were to lose my job tomorrow. I can tell you exactly what I would do. Um, the first week um, after I lost my job, I would sleep all week. <laughs> the second week, yep. I would take a tour of California. I'd see Yosemite and some of the coastal and maybe mm-hmm. go to Redding and maybe San Diego. Maybe that'd take a couple weeks. But Redding? I mean, whatever. Just okay. just check things out. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Okay. I heard there's things in California to see. <laughs> so I'd take a week or two to see that. So I'd, I'd sleep a week. I'd check things out for a week. And by the third week, I'd probably plant a church. Yeah. That's how you know you have a call mm. because there's, there's nothing else that, that, um, that you could possibly do. So I, I went to school to become a doctor and, uh, by my second year, I couldn't think of anything else, but ministry, I didn't know what that meant mm. necessarily. It, it wasn't like I was called to Hayward, California. I didn't know, I didn't know Hayward existed six years ago. Right. I had never even heard of. Yeah. Um, so that's the first part of the call is just in your own heart. Um, God slowly starts to change your desires. Um, so that you, um, just feel like he, he shows you what you're made for. Yeah. Like this is what you're made for. Uh, but then the second part of a call, and this is a piece that especially a lot of Protestant Christians miss Hmm. because we have a low view of the church and that's just the church. And when people think of the church, they think of the Pope or they think of somebody in authority. Right. But, um, monolithic thing. Yeah. Yeah. Unattainable. Well, and, and, and I think people, because of unfortunately the church has a has a has a has a checkered past. Yeah. And so they're very suspicious and, and they're right to be, to be honest with you, for right. just various reasons. But except they miss out on this that um the church, meaning the people that you do life with, the people that are in authority over you, um, they should validate your call. 
in other words, they should mm. be able to look at your work, the things that you're doing in the church serving yeah. and saying, yes, we affirm that God has given you a gift of whatever that gift is. And so for me, person after person from church after different church, different denominations, um, the pastors, the leaders, the disciples, the people in authority continue to affirm my call and actually mm-hmm. my wife's call as a pastor's wife and just in the ministry. It was, it was very clear. And yeah. I went from um, freshman year wanting to be a, a doctor and my senior year just being affirmed by a lot of different people in different churches that this is what wow. I'm called to do. So I think it's, it's both. So if you're, if you're wondering what a call is, I mean, uh, the best way to figure out what your call is to just jump into ministry. I can think of no better mm. ministry than res kids. You guys do. Um, <laughs> no, really. I mean, I'm not even just plugging you, although I yeah. am. Um, you guys have, uh, you need actors. Yep. You need tech people. <laughs> yeah. You need small group leaders. Um, you yep. need people to pray for your ministry. You need administrative people. Yep. Um, any, and, and, and all of those gifts are being used in rest kits. I, I can't think yep. of a single gift that would not be used in rest kits. And so if you don't know what your call is, jump in. And I'm sure somebody like, um, Webb or on our campus, it's Ren now. Rennie. Yeah. Welcome uh, aboard, Rennie. Yeah. Rennie, we love you. Yeah. Uh, we're excited you're on the team, but, uh, you know, these, that's, that's what a good leader does. A good yeah. leader doesn't just try to get something out of you they're trying to develop you and and that's what the church does it tries to mm. develop you know that's that's what my job is to help people develop their gifts. yeah and that, and that's what people did in my life i had lots of disciples I, so i can point to you know like greg brown and mm. steve clark and nate ardle eric flood robbie demarini and now ryan kwan is just men that god has brought yeah. into my life to develop my my pastoral gifts it's beautiful yeah it's awesome yeah i we're right now going through a phase where we're trying to cast a vision for people on how they can get plugged into res kids specifically. So we're doing the same thing. Jump in. Yeah. Just come. And it, yeah, there's, I need people to do art. Yeah. I need people who can act, yeah. who can sing, who can play a tambourine or even like just jump around and be goofy. I have a, like, that's a, <laughs> that's a gift. Like, I, would, I would say even, <laughs> and you can correct me and I'm sure you will, but even if you don't necessarily quote unquote love kids. Oh yeah. You, you, we have a place for you and rest kits. Absolutely. There's stuff that we need done. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So jump in, please. Come on. Yep. Let's go. Yep. We need you. And then when you do that, and this is what people miss though, is, is yeah, try to find the right place where you feel like you're coming alive. Right. But more important than that is talk to the people around you and, and ask them what they see. And don't exactly. be offended when they say, no, no, you probably shouldn't preach or <laughs> you're, you're lighting your, your rhythm's a little off, Yeah, you know, and that's, and that's what the church needs to do. Right. I mean, I, I'm not administratively gifted. Yes, me neither. And, um, <laughs> and they're, they're just things that I'm not good at. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. so the more, the more I use my gifts to help people grow, it allows me to use my gifts properly as well. Yeah. That's how the church is supposed to work. That's Ephesians four. Yeah. Beautiful. Yep. So at, at what point when you're, so you're, you graduate college yep. and you, you have uh masters in divinity or what, what was So the... I graduated from Michigan with a, with a bachelor of science. Okay. With an emphasis in biology. And when did that go into a ministry? It doesn't. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so, so the University of Michigan uh, is not a uh, school that produces pastors. Right. Okay. Yeah. They so, produce they produce winning football teams. Right. I I, I yeah. wish that were true. Okay. I'm going to be honest and say sorry. Not recently. It's been a while. It's it's been since I was there in 1997. Anyway, uh, Michigan's good at a lot of things. 
producing pastors is not one of them. Right on. Um, so how do you get there when you're in Michigan? You know, um, I, I really valued my undergraduate degree, uh, my undergraduate experience, not yeah. the degree, sorry, um, because I went to school uh, across the hall was a was a Jewish guy named David. Fantastic dude. Loved him. Most of my best friends uh, uh, had their ancestry traced back to India. Huh. Yeah, we had a cool fraternity, uh, Tau Alpha Gamma for Taj. Nice. Which was pretty awesome. <laughs> they, yeah. They, my name was Aurelio Baha'i, which was cool. Um, you know, and I just went to school with people that um, didn't know Jesus, and that just mm. gave me a great opportunity to share my faith with them. Yeah. And just um, learn how to talk to people and not shout at them. Mm. Love them, listen to them, listen to their complaints, listen to their fears, and... Um, and just learn how to just treat people as people, not as these arguments that we have to win or projects. Mm. And so I'm really thankful that I went to a state school. I'm thankful that I didn't go to a Christian college um, for undergrad. There's mm. nothing wrong with that. I know a lot of kids that, that go to Christian college, and that's for yeah. them, I think that's a great path. Yeah. Um, I My wife and I have talked about this, and we kind of feel like for our kids, we want them to go to state schools. Yeah. Um, unless it's clear that they're supposed to become a missionary as soon as possible. Then we can send them to the Moody Bible Institute. But otherwise there's just so much you have to learn. There's, you you see other worldviews out there. And I just remember one of my, my, uh, one of my friends, um, back in my freshman year, he had just one of his, one of our other friends, I'm sorry, I forget their names. So that's just how good friends they are, but you'll know who you are. Yeah. He, well, they was, (laughs) trust me, I'm sure he's not listening, Okay, but he went to, he went to, uh, he went to a church service. I didn't invite him. This other guy did. Yeah. But, um, the the guy that invited him wasn't really a believer and the the indian gentleman was was offended that the pastor said that jesus was alive you know i grew up in going i grew up catholic i grew up hearing that my whole life right and he looks at me and he's like will you actually believe that this man rose from the dead and i just appreciated that this guy actually understood what we were saying right like oh yeah that is kind of crazy isn't it yeah it is kind of crazy and then i could say yes i believe that jesus is alive yeah. but like you're not gonna have you might not have that experience at a christian school it's or true, yeah. you know i mean maybe you will maybe you won't i know there are not christians that go so um but yeah. for me it was it was a it, that was a training ground for sure the state school mm. um yeah and you know i was in a fraternity which was had its own challenges and just right. all these different things that i feel like god used to really just help me connect with people yeah yeah. So I, I'm, I'm really thankful and God uses different paths. Again, some of those guys that I mentioned before, you know, they, they went to Christian colleges their whole lives and they're great pastors. Right. Yeah. They're great. But for me, I'm very thankful and I don't mind being a Michigan fan. I'm wearing Still, a Michigan shirt right now. It hasn't worn off yet. No, it's a very visual podcast. You can see my shirt. Yes. Oh, anybody who knows you knows that, yeah. that, that yellow M follows you. Yeah. <laughs> Maize and blue baby. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, your question was about how do I get to divinity school? So, right, seminary and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had a I had a fantastic <clears throat> mentor my junior and senior year. His name was Nate Ardle. He's still with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, and uh-huh. uh, he actually went to uh, Dallas. Um, Dallas is one of the big schools. Okay. And so I I talked to him about about seminary. I mean, it was pretty yeah. clear. Uh, I was supposed to become a pastor. So, the next step. The, traditionally, what it's been is um, normally you get an undergraduate somewhere, and then you have to get a graduate degree, a master's degree, and typically it's called a master of divinity. Right, and that's called the um, that's like the um, um, I'm trying to remember the name. Um, 
it's it's just the type of degree that you need for, specifically for pastoral ministry. Most right. most um, churches that are looking, for, especially for a teaching pastor, will require right. that you have a master of divinity. And the reason why they want that, as opposed to like a New Testament or anything like that, is because you learn Greek and Hebrew, which is helpful for preaching. Right. I always think that adds like some spice. Like if you can, this word in Greek <laughs> is. X, blah, 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 you know, there's some fancy word. You're like, oh, wow, he must he must know what he's talking about. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, a guy can know just enough Greek or Hebrew to be dangerous. Yeah, to get in trouble. <laughs> to get in trouble. Um, I, I, I will say this. It, 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 it's helpful because um, if you know any foreign language, hmm. um, you know that English is a pretty bland language. It's been flattened out. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like it oh, used yeah. to be really deep and now it's kind of flat. Yeah. So we use the word love. I love my wife. I love my dog. I love pizza. It's all the same word. Right. And, you know, even just in Spanish, you know, you would, you would use different words. Hmm. You know, you would, I would say to my daughter, you know, te amo, you know, I love you. But, you know, I, you know, I would say, um, if I'm, if I'd say I love pizza, I would say me encanta, you know, and that's what McDonald's had that. If you remember, like 10 years ago, they had a slogan. It's like, man, canta, eh, man, canta. you know, um, that means yeah. I really, that means I love, that's the same word love, you know, huh. but it's not love. It, it means I really enjoy this. So there's that distinction in hmm. Spanish and that, and that's basically what's true in Greek and Hebrew. It's, it's, it's right. very, it's a little bit more clear. I wouldn't say it's absolutely clear, but it's, it's more clear. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the very, 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 very minimal Greek and Hebrew that I know I found that it adds uh, uh, an element of like intimacy to scripture, if that makes sense. You're gonna have to define it like, for me. It's like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> it's like what I'm what I'm reading is, you know, it, okay, it's it's in my common language and yeah. all that, but I I consider like knowing that oh, this was in Greek. Is similar for me as I would imagine, like going to Jerusalem mm. would be, and like, oh, that's the Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have pictures of this place in my mind, but there's the real thing. You yeah. know, I can't read Greek for beans, but to see like scripture, mm-hmm. like a scroll that has like Greek yeah. writing on it, you're like, oh my gosh, like this thing is yeah. so ancient and old, and it just adds this like air of of just it's really richer. Yeah. In my mind. The irony is that the New Testament was written in uh, what's called Koine Greek. And uh, that was the street language. It wasn't refined. So huh. the, the Romans would have scoffed at the language <laughs> of the New Testament. That's funny. It's really funny. And if you go yeah. to like at the University of Michigan, for example, I took a Greek, uh, not a Greek, a New Testament class. And the professor was saying, yeah, the classical Greek scholars, they won't even touch this New Testament because it's so unrefined. Whoa. But what's beautiful about that is that God speaks the language of the people. Yeah. That's the whole message right there. The whole reason why it's written in Koine is because people from many different ethnicities were able to use that. It was the lingua franca of the day. It was for the common people. As opposed to the height, as opposed to the the classical Greek, the things that Homer, you know, used. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I never knew that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you can go. I'm glad you came. All right. Glad you guys. (laughs) You taught me something already. That's cool. Yeah, it's real cool. So take me through your, like the... Just a real quick like summary of like what the ministry experience in Michigan was for you before getting the call to move like you did. So yeah, so um, my wife and I got married 
uh, and then we moved to Chicago so I could go to school at uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Okay. Um, which is a EV free uh, divinity school, which is right. what we are. That's the denomination. That's where Bridges Bridges. Um, we love you, Bridges. We're thankful yeah. for how you helped launch Resonate. Amen. Uh, we're really thankful for you. And um, yeah, so EV free. Um, I graduated in 06. And when I graduated, I was already part of a church. Okay. Um, and they, they brought me on staff. I think uh, two years after that, I was the I was the director. I wasn't a pastor at that point because it's okay. just a process. I was the director of young adults and college ministry. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was pretty rad. Yeah. So we were we were in a community that, um, you know, it's kind of like the Bay in the sense that a lot of younger people, that when they graduate, they have to leave because it's so expensive. Yes. So they can't really afford to live there. And so a lot of young folks are either living with their parents or mm. moving away. Yeah. And that's where we were. And so our our church did not have very many young adults in it. And um, my wife and I kind of looked around and said, is there anything we could do to change that? And mm. so we just started with a small group. We had a, And to our surprise, our first small group had like 20 people in it. Oh, it was just like, okay. a, we just like talked not, to people who talked to people because that's not a small group, <laughs> different young adults were scattered to different churches. And so, okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but there wasn't really anything for young adults at any of these churches because there wasn't critical mass. Huh? Yeah. So um, cool. by God's grace that grew. And then um, the next year uh, we started a college ministry and my wife and I were both Campus Crusade for Christ people. And right Crew's motto um, so resonates, you know, is disciples making disciples for the glory yep. of God, which is great. And Cruz is um, turning um, <clears throat> turning lost students into Christ-centered laborers, which is pretty, that's a pretty rad mission statement. It's lost people. So yeah. it's not just taking like right. crusty Christians, but it's like actively right. seeking people who don't know the Lord. Not just helping them become mature, but basically making disciples that make disciples is <laughs> basically yeah. what their thing is. And wow. so their motto is win, build, send. You win people to Christ, you build into them, and you send them out to go do the Lord's work. Awesome. And so that's that's, wow. that's our DNA. That's always been our DNA. And um, in the same way that there wasn't a young adult ministry at our church, um, we saw that there wasn't a college ministry. Even though there were kids coming back for the summer, hmm. there was nothing for them. And so my wife, I gave her a lot of credit. Um we did we did college ministry in the summertime. Um, we had two big nights. Uh, first night was uh, what we called our our uh, outreach night. We uh, we basically I basically had a I think at its height we had like fifty college students coming, um, fifty to seventy five, and I would do a I would just do a a little sermon. Is that your house? No, it was at oh, the church. Okay, but I mean I mean we're married at the time, so my wife. Yeah being totally behind this and and helping out another way i'll tell you the second way that was at our house yeah but the first night was um at the church we'd have a we'd have a like a i'd do like a sermon for like 20 20 minutes or so just helping people understand the scriptures it was all about helping them understand how to read the scriptures yeah but then after that we had um small group leaders we'd break up into about seven small groups which was pretty awesome so we'd, yeah. we'd do that and then once that was done, we kind of basically had party night for the rest of the night. So we'd start at seven 
and we'd be done at like one in the morning. So we had a gymnasium <laughs> where people would just play soccer or whatever, basketball or whatever they wanted to play. We had, this yeah. was when the Wii first came out. So we had like, we had the projector that projected on a wall. So we'd play like Mario Kart yeah. uh, upstairs. And then on the other side of um, the video game area was like a cafe. So we'd bring like our espresso machine awesome. and like make stuff. And um, so that was one night. And then the, the other night was... Um, what we called heavy discipleship and then deeper study. So the small group leaders, they were our actual leaders and we had them mm. basically sign a contract that like we were going to pour into them, but we were pouring into them so that they'd pour into other people. Right. Like we wanted them to find somebody that was younger than them. We wanted them to find somebody who was about their age and just pour into them and to have the same small group every single week so they could get to know their people. Yeah. Which was pretty awesome. So and we had them over our house. Amber did a great job. She like college students, you know, they love pizza or whatever, but Amber's like, we're not doing pizza. So she'd do like <laughs> some kind of crazy salad. I don't know, man, I'm just nice. not a salad guy, but you know, she'd, <laughs> she'd like bake stuff and, and we would feed these kids and, and we'd eat with them and we would just go over like ministry stuff with them and just yeah. how are they doing and how can we help them grow and what questions do they have? And they had a lot of good questions. They had a lot, there were a lot of things that we had to sort through, but um, mm. having that meal um, provided space and then other leaders could see like, yeah, I'm struggling with that too. Yeah. Which was really cool. So they'd go from like five to like seven, seven thirty, And then at seven thirty, we'd invite, um, and it was open that the first part, you had to be a leader to come to that. But the second right. part of the night, uh, we would study systematic theology and we went through Tom Odom's, um, classic Christianity. And one year we went through, um, the study of, uh, Christ. And the second year we went through the study of the Holy spirit. Wow. So <laughs> that's what we did. <laughs> Pretty heavy for a young, they, young they, adult man, we had a, we had a packed, we had a packed living room, wow. man. We had a packed living room. We had, uh, the kids were digging it. That's awesome. Yeah. And they did a good job. I mean, um, that, that really is when, when people grab the mission and go, that's when things happen. Yeah. It's not, it's, yep. I mean, the leader obviously precipitates a lot of that. It makes it happen, but um, but people have to grab onto it, and the, and yeah. these college kids did. They they just they did a great job. Well, and you, you sounds like you kind of set that expectation from the outset. Yeah, like, I mean this that was a, this is a missional thing. Like your involvement means. Yeah, this is happening. Yeah. yeah, and we had we had we had people step down because they they didn't agree. I'm like that's great. It's no big deal. That's yeah. Well, the worst thing you want to do is jump into something and then. Like just fake it. Yeah, they're, <laughs> like you want to be on actually be there. It was actually very respectful. It's just like he, yeah, I know one guy that was like, I, I'm not sure about how you're going about this. I'm like, yeah, it's no problem, man. It's yeah. great. I wanna, I wanna be your rabbi, but like if you're not down, that's great. Just make sure you find somebody that you can be an authority under. Right. Because that's the thing that people don't understand. It's like, <laughs> you know, we're all under authority of somebody. Like, yeah, even Pastor Ryan's under the authority of the elders. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so it's, yeah, just be under somebody's authority that you can be under. You know, that's uh, for the young adults thing. People say that about the Bay Area mm -hmm. and that, oh, it's not a it's not a college town. There's no young people. Mm. And and there is that, you know, that uh, what do we call it? The urban sprawl, mm -hmm. young, you know, 20 something flight out of the Bay. It's, ex it's expensive unless it you work for Google or Apple and or some do. Oracle and plenty of them do. And that's that's great. But, you know, if you don't if you don't have that people leave and so a lot of people feel like just young people just don't have a place here but yeah the thing is they are here yep more than you think exactly and more that's than you think. i mean to say it's not a college town is crazy we got 
Cal State Hayward. We got Berkeley. We got uh, Ohlone right up here with like 30,000 students or whatever. Like, where are they coming from? Well, they live in Fremont, Newark, Union City, Hayward. Yep. So they're here. Yeah, they just they just need somebody to, um, you know, it, it. Whenever I'm working with leaders, um, especially back in Chicago, yeah, it was always helping people see um, if you have something, if you have a place for somebody, it's going to be tough sledding for about a year or two. Hmm. But once you hit critical mass, people start hearing that there's a place for them. Yeah, and that people care for them, and they just like. I mean, we had people from different churches coming, and it wasn't about stealing from different churches. It was like the other churches didn't have this kind of ministry. Yeah, and they would ask all, the, "Is it okay?" I'm like, I mean, for us, it's okay. Just make sure you're honoring your your leaders at your other church, right? You know. Yeah, it seems like people in a lot of ways are are starving for just an an authentic belonging. Mm-hmm. Like I am welcome here mm-hmm. like i have a place here i have people here i'm known here like and yeah they're hungry for it and i i wish i wish there was more folks trying to tackle that you yeah know, you know I, and I that's feel... that's actually our job you know as 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 church leaders we just need to equip people yeah yeah we're working on it yeah so come to rest kids <laughs> we'll teach you how to do it yeah we'll start sure. there <laughs> we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep plugging that away man keep come to rest kids keep it coming yeah so at what point in in that journey did the concept of moving to California like come into being? Like tell me that that stretch for you. Yeah, man. So um being in Chicago, I'm 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 more of an urban guy and the typical career path for pastors in Chicago is you're kind of an associate pastor of a church and then you need to go to like the cornfields in Nebraska or <laughs> Minnesota. And I'm just, this is really what it is. And you go, you go pastor a church of 50. Yeah. And if you do well there, then you're going to pastor a church of 200 in a, in a slightly more urban, maybe, maybe you get to a village, you know, that has a, <laughs> that has like a, a little Caesars or something. Right. <laughs> and then if you do well there, then maybe you can move to like Minneapolis, St. Paul or, you, you know, you can work your way back Kansas yeah. city. Yeah. And then finally, like after you, you know, cut your teeth enough in all those different places, huh. you can come back to Chicago. And my wife is an urban planner. Um, I, I'm not fluent in Spanish, but I'm functionally bilingual. Yeah. Um, I feel like, uh, God has given me the ability to work with a lot of different ethnicities. Yeah. And, um, it just didn't seem like a good stewardship of who we were. It it just felt like um, if we're gonna if we're gonna quote unquote move up the ladder or whatever that means or right. whatever God's calling us to we should do we should try to do in Chicago, and so I felt like um, God was calling me to something different. I didn't know what it was. I, I had two thoughts. I mean, um, and again, this is where the church comes in. These are gifts yeah. that people affirmed, and the first one was church planting because I had done it. Um, we were part of that church where we had the young adult ministry. We actually left that church to plant a church. Oh, so I went with uh, my old boss, and we planted a church outside of Chicago. Um, and at this point is where I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, well, what's my next step? And yeah, you know, again, everybody around me is affirming these two gifts. I'm I'm a church planter or I'm a preacher. Like those are the two things that I was looking for. So I was looking for in Chicago, like churches yeah. that were looking for either a teaching pastor, specifically because right. I love communicating. Um, I love God's word. I mean, it's, to me, it's, um, if it's boring, shame on us. Like if we make Mm. it, if we communicate it in a boring way, there's, I mean, whenever I'm working with amp kids, uh, it's gotta be amp kids. It can't amp, by the way, for those of you who aren't from resonate are like middle school and high school kids. Yeah. 
but like not res kids, but amp kids. I always find like the juiciest passage, you know, like the craziest <laughs> stuff where like Abraham is like going to sleep with his, you know, like right. his, his wife's maid servant. The you shock know? value. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm not just doing it for shock value, but I'm like, right. you guys, the stuff is in here, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's wild. It's a crazy story. It's crazy stories, you know, and, and they're good stories. And the reason why they're good is because we're crazy. Mm. I mean, they just they just point out our human nature, right? right. It's the first reality show, man. It's it's <laughs> just it's Bible. just it's the reason why I don't think a human being wrote that book. Mm. There's just too much dirt in there. But right. anyway, yeah, who would do that? That's yeah. Crazy. So I was thinking either church planting, church planter, or teaching pastor, and and we kept applying um, to. Di- I say we because my wife and I are a team, but yeah. Um, you know, I kept kept applying to a lot of different places and just kept coming up snake eyes. And it was the weird, it, it was to the point where I was even working with a uh, search firm called Vanderblomen. Um, right. And the people that were handling my file were frustrated that these churches weren't, they were confused. They were like, you're, <laughs> you're filling out all these boxes that people say they want. They want, right. you know, exactly what you are. Cause they'd seen my tape. They seen just yeah. different stuff, you know? And, uh, they're like, we don't know what to do. And so, huh. um, my wife and I, we kind of just agreed. We're like, maybe God wants us somewhere else because we were specifically looking in Chicago. Yeah. And so it was just kind of this moment of surrender. Where I was so frustrated hmm. and confused and just said, okay, God, fine. I'll go wherever you want to go. And and up to that point, I had actually said these, I've spoken these words out of my mouth. I will never go to California. Oh no. <laughs> but it wasn't because I didn't want to go to California. It was because it was so far. Yeah. And so I figured if I've got to get on a plane, yeah. to go to California to see my, my mom, then I might as well go to Brazil because I've been a missionary in Brazil for a couple of weeks. Or I might as well go to um, China or I might right. as well go somewhere. Just like if, I gotta, if I've got, yeah, what's the difference, right? If I got to get on a plane or I got to fly my mom out, then there's plenty of pastors in the United States. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I can go do some work in Latin America or whatever. Huh. So we opened it up. Um, It was like a, it was a Sunday night. I remember it like it was yesterday. So I just said, you know what? Let's just, let's go anywhere. And so my wife gets on the internet and that night she's like, Hey, there's this church called resonate. And they're, I'm not joking. It's like that night where we said, let's just go anywhere. <laughs> she's like, there's this church called resonate. And I'm like, that's an interesting name. Cool. And she's like, Trendy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Does, does their logo look like a coffee stain? I was like, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she said, uh, but you know, it's in the Bay and I'm in Chicago. Right. And I just looked at her and said, which bay? What like, bay? Yeah. Like Green Bay? Is <laughs> yeah. that the bay you're talking about? Tampa Bay? Yeah, Tampa Bay, <laughs> Saginaw Bay. That's where I'm from, Saginaw Bay. Right. And she's like, no, the bay. And I'm like, what do you mean the bay? She's really? Like, the bay. And I then the, then it finally clicked, and I said, do you want to move to California? And she's like, well, I don't want to move to California, but as I read this job description, it's basically you. Ooh. Yeah, so I applied, and like within weeks, we were getting on a plane to interview out here. Wow. Yeah, it was like as soon as we said, God, we'll go wherever you want, like the job just kind of fell in our lap. That doesn't always happen. That's not usual. Yeah. You know, I just want to make that clear. Right. But um, for us, that was a pretty, that was pretty cool to see God work in that way. It is something amazing if you say, okay, I'm willing. Mm-hmm. And like he'll, if, he'll like if somebody things. was willing to work in res kits, yes, if God you would willing. find a way to get. <laughs> and if he doesn't, I will. No. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I mean, I think that's that's always the biggest problem, right? It's our yeah. it's our hearts, you know. And and I got to say, in moving out here, I, 
you know, my mom has been really supportive. She knows we're supposed to be out here. Wow. Uh, my brother's been supportive. Amber's family's been supportive. Um, we call that confirmation. Yeah, and sometimes yes. you get it, sometimes you don't. So I don't right. want people to bank on that. But right. just my experience in moving out here is that the Lord has been more, more than gracious to us. Yeah. More than gracious to us. That's amazing because in, in my mind, I would I love to think that I'm the type of guy who says, yes, Lord, I'll go, like, whatever you need me to do. We I'll, all think we're that I'll guy. I'll do it. I, I would, well, I'd love to think that I'm that guy. Right. But there's, gosh, I mean, the most, really, the, the, the two things that he could ask me to do that scare me the most is, one, to, like, go be a missionary in Africa. Like, not just like, oh, I'm going there for a week, but, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go teach English for five years. Right. Like, that's terrifying to me. The other one is, like, let me go across the country to a place I've never been and try to start a church there. Yeah. Like, those are the two things where I'm like, I don't I don't feel that I'm being called to do that. Yeah. But if I'm who I say I am, would I? Yeah. And I, gosh, that is, so when, you know. I think it's very rare gosh. when God gives us a specific directive like yeah. that. I, I can think of two times where I felt like God was pretty clear, and I've been following him for 20 years. Huh. Um, I think the first one was my call into ministry period. Like, it was pretty clear. Right. It was pretty clear. And not an audible voice, but but pretty clear. Close as it gets. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty clear. And then the second one was um, just feeling like this was where we were supposed to be. Because a lot of things huh. fell into line that just don't make a lot of sense. So Hayward, to me, Hayward feels, there's a reason why Draymond Green loves Oakland. It's a lot like, it's a lot yeah. like Saginaw. Yeah. You know, and Hayward is in Oakland. I'm not saying it is, but I, I love Hayward. I, I feel, um, Hayward is my hometown. Yeah. You know, um, Hayward is home. I don't want to be anywhere else. I actually don't want it to change too much more. You know, I, I love it the way that it is. And, um. And that's even without even talking about Resonate Hayward. I mean, mm. um, the the people of Resonate Hayward, the disciples that are there, the way they understand the gospel of that Jesus um, accepts them because of what he's done, not because of what they do. Yeah. That um, they can't ever lose his love and uh, they did nothing to deserve it. And because they understand that, it's it's transformed the way that they love one another and they love Amber and I. And so I'm... I, I feel very at home there. I've I've never been more honored and loved and supported. Yeah. As with the um, you know the members that resonate Hayward. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I th- I think what you're saying is the fear that most people have, but right. I, very rarely does God get, in my humble opinion, in my experience, which is not very, you know, significant. But oh, you're here. Um. <laughs> Well, I, I think I think we worry about that, and then we forget about the stuff that he has commanded us to do, which is right. like fight for the little guy, right? And accept people because of because of who he is and not who they are, you right. know, and just all these small things that he's trying to do in our our lives, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I, there was a uh, <laughs> there was a pastor at a church that we were going to merge with back in Chicago, and they did this great. Um, they did a prom for special needs kids. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was which is really awesome and 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 the church that I was a part of at the time didn't want to get behind it. You know, they were really not just that, but just the whole thing. They were asking, you know, tons of questions about right. the merge and there was a lot of stuff that was triggering them, but 
but he started talking about why they do the special needs prom. And he says, you know, we look at, you know, we're evangelicals. We have a high view of scripture, but then we look at the passage where Jesus says, go invite the blind and the lame and the poor and the homeless and the misfit. And we look at that passage and say, I wonder what he meant. (laughs) And he's like, I think Jesus meant go invite the poor and the blind and the lame and the misfit. Right. And, and I think just in my own life, you know, it's, I'm even still, even though I'm a pastor, I'm looking for quote unquote God's will. And the will is just, man, bring his peace to the world. Right. Because he's brought his peace to my world. The mission. The mission. The mission is making disciples that make disciples, but we do it by bringing his peace, his shalom. Right. That's, that's what we're called to do. So we die. So he died so we could live. And so as we die, other people live. It's the only way we'll find our lives. There's another jewel. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, well, then Jesus, that's Jesus, right? I'd say, um, yeah, I mean, when when you say it like that, like we said, when when I asked you to define a calling, right, you couldn't not do it. Yeah. It's like scary, yeah. (laughs) Oh, terrifying. I lost uh, 15 pounds when I moved here. I couldn't eat. (laughs) Till I got to Marty Smith's house and he made tri-tip. I've never had tri-tip before. The first time I finally what? started eating. Yeah, there's no tri-tip in the Midwest. It's a special Bay Area cut. What? I mean, you can get it from a butcher, but they don't they don't stock it. You're serious? I'm totally serious. There's no tri-tip. No tri-tip. Oh, my it's gosh. starting to get more popular because of the Food Network and all that stuff. And so bougie people have heard of tri-tip, but most your typical Midwesterners get out of here. Yeah, but you're right. It, it's scary oh. and. Uh, I think that's the that's the great um, thing about presenting a walk with Jesus is like taking a step at a time. Yeah. Because as you take a step, you know, you realize that he's he's faithful. Yeah. And so I, I'll tell you, you know, for Amber and I, um, uh, we've been married, uh, we've been married almost 20 years. And, um, you know, a lot of that is me being in seminary and her working. Hmm. And a lot of that is her being a, a stay at home mom. And also running a business and me being a pastor and yeah, um, pastors aren't overly paid. You know, they're they're great. God's always been faithful, but you know, sometimes right. it's a struggle, especially with a stay-at-home mom, which is great. We're happy about that. Yeah, that she can be with the kids. Um, but through all that, it's not even just that um, we've never been hungry or we've never been without. The Lord has provided that for sure. But we've been married twenty years. We've never purchased a car. Right. We have we've had four cars, <laughs> and God has provided four cars for us in the last twenty. We've never had a car payment. Wow. He's just always provided that for us. That's awesome. It's amazing. Wow. There's no explanation for that. No. Well, there is one. <laughs> I mean, there's no earthly expe- explanation for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just the goodwill. It's not like the church. A church came up to me and was like, "Hey, you're a pastor. Yeah. Take this car." It was. It was really by him supernaturally putting it in someone's heart and saying these these people need a vehicle right yeah it's provision yeah and again i'm not saying go into ministry so you can get a free car but yeah what i'm saying is god is i can stand up in the court of law and say christ has always provided for my family yeah he's he's pretty good at figuring out the details of what he wants you to do yeah and so and so as we've experienced that Um, Gosh. it's not that there isn't fear in another next step. It's another step because it's, it's a bigger step. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. but as you look back at his track record and how he's been faithful, you know, you can take that step and sometimes you won't and that's okay because 
you're not defined by the steps you take. You're defined by what right. he says you are. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've found just in my own slightly shorter walk that I, I feel like when, when I know I'm on track when I feel a little scared of it <laughs> and when something in me knows that what I'm trying to do, like if I were to just do it, it wouldn't actually happen. Yeah. Sure. Like this like, is p- like planting a church. Yeah. Like this, <laughs> this thing is not really possible Yeah. by, you know, who, who am I? What am I? A trucker, fireman, you know, that's, huh? that's great. And you want me to do what to, with who? So, like, so I'm going to give a hat tip to uh, Jen Haya right here. She's got a story about that, yeah. about Resonate Hayward. So we're, uh, we're about, uh, five months away from launch and I've got, I've got uh, about 40 people in the room and we're all kind of feeling good about ourselves because they're like, man, we got 40 people in the room. This is going to be awesome, right? <laughs> and uh, and I actually stole this from Pastor Ryan. I don't know if he did this when Resonate launched, but basically there's 40 people in the rows and they're worshiping and they're excited, which is great. I mean, that's good. But I need to help them understand that you know we're planting this church to be on mission and we're planting this church to reach our family and friends and, and the community. Yeah. And so at one point, uh, and Jen tells the story. She's like, I remember you did this. You basically, you, you said, if you're in the band, I need you to come up here because you're going to be playing. And if you're in res kids, you need to leave because <laughs> you're, you're not going to go to church for a year. Yeah. Right? You're going to be watching kids, which is like basically what you're going to do. Until the, the, the two service format. Until the two, up, yeah, yeah, which, you know, and then uh, I said, if you're in guest services, you need to be along the wall because you're going to be helping people find their way to the seats. And if you're going to be, huh. you know, if you're going to be part of the parking crew, I need you over there. And there was one, one guy in the chairs. So they were all, these chairs were full. And there's only one guy in the chairs. You're in charge. Well, <laughs> no. and I just looked at everybody and said, this is our church. If we don't invite people, if we don't pray for them, if we don't live missionally. Wow. And Jen was like, I about had a panic attack when you did that. Cause I thought this is going to fail. There's no way we could fill a church with people. Right. <sighs> and then she said quickly, which is great. But then I learned over the last few years that God can, like God can change people's lives. Go Jen. Yeah, Jen Haya, rock star. She's been on this. It, well, yeah, good. She was here. She, she was, was number five, I think. Number, number five is alive. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Man, okay, so you get the call coming to Hayward. Yeah, coming to Hayward, man. And then you come to visit. You're so, talking about the interview process. The yeah, the interview okay. process. So. That I, so then we're not coming yet. We're trying to figure out if it's the call. Yeah. We're, we're jumping around a bit, mm-hmm. but that's okay. This is, it's, it's our thing. We can do what we want. Yep. Um, some of the, the, the structure for where this is going is resonate is like, we want to plant churches. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the best way, you know, for us to leverage everything we've got is yeah. to start another church for even more people to go to. So we're, Absolutely. we're starting to gather steam. We're starting to collect people who are at the Fremont campus who are interested, who want to do it. And they're starting to kind of, you know, get on the same page and organized. And that's the point where we're like, okay, we need the guy. Yeah. And then there you are willing. And that night we meet you and then you come out to visit us. I'd love your, like, where was your head at for, for that trip? Like you're, cause you're feeling this call. Like, I think this is where I'm supposed to go, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And where where were you at, like, on that visit? Yeah, so, I mean, you've been backing up a little bit before that. Um, you know, I was interested in 
planting churches as a as a as a possible call. You know, I, like I said, I knew it was planting churches or preaching. Yeah. Um. And and the job description just felt like this is something that um, I could do. And we were we mm. were trying we were trying to discern if it was something that God was calling us to do. But the biggest reason why um, Amber and I pursued this thing, like really like full steam, was the description of resonate in general. Mm. And the thing that got our attention was um, something called gospel centrality, and it was something that we didn't even know what it was. Mm. Uh, we'd heard of something like it before, and and even for the previous ten years, I was trying to ask all of my mentors, what does it mean? What, what does it mean? Um, what does it mean to be gospel centered? I had no idea. Yeah. I think every, every believer, um, un, prop, I mean, you're not a believer if you don't believe that Jesus died for your sins, you know, and, and you know, he takes the penalty for you. Yeah. That's every Christian, which is great. But unfortunately <laughs> most Christians, and I include myself in that camp previous, like five years ago was, yeah, me too. <laughs> well, Jesus died for your sins, but now the rest is up to you, big boy. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, in the job description, talking about a gospel centered movement, right? it just, it just flipped my world. And I remember, um, Grace Maltzby sent me the membership manual for a resonate. Yeah. And one of the first sections was what is a gospel centered movement? And I, I read this, I was in bed reading this PDF and uh, it's a Tim Keller quote. I didn't know it at the time. Brian stole it, but it's a Tim Keller quote. <laughs> and it says, um, the Gospels aren't the ABCs of Christianity. In other words, everybody thinks, I mean, even this is the book of Hebrews, the book of Galatians. Everybody's like, hey, mm. if you want to believe in Jesus, that's a good start. But like in Galatians, it's circumcision. In Hebrews, it's the law, right? Yeah. Like it's it's basically man's work. Like, hey, Jesus is a good start, but you got to finish it. Right. And so Keller's quote is, you know, the Gospel isn't the ABCs. It's A through Z. Yeah. And I remember reading that and jumping out of bed and like almost throwing my device at Amber saying, you have to read this. Eureka. This is what we've been looking for. Oh. And so it talks about how the gospel doesn't just um, change our eternal destinies. It changes everything. Yeah. How it changes politics, how it changes uh, the way we relate to men's and women's issues, the way it relates to sexuality, the way mm. that it relates to e like everything. Everything um, is about who Christ is and what he's done and how he is flipping the script on human history. Yeah. And so it's not what we do. It's what he's done and how that would change even our own motivations. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And so, so for us, we, we wanted to come out here and just see what that actually meant. <laughs> so like, that's great. That's great. If Ryan and Scott believe this, right. But what does the church actually believe? Yeah. And so, um, I was part of a of a church network back in Chicago, and we had these like ABCs or one two threes or like the three things that people had to know. Yeah, and we it was we were considered a successful ministry if everybody down to the ushers knew these big three principles, right? Mm. And as I right. came and I started talking to people like Marco Marquez and just different folks like yeah. Ivan and Val and Justin and Amy and just different people like uh, Tim and Jenny Louie. Yep, every single person we talked to, and I'm not making this up. <laughs> Every single person we talked to actually could articulate the gospel and our mouths dropped. <laughs> we, we couldn't believe it because it wasn't people just memorizing like a vision statement. Right. They actually understood the gospel. And so um, <clears throat> when they brought us here, we were at um, Alan and Phoebe Montemayor's house and Phoebe had had a small group and MC the night before. 
and she had these women um, write on these pieces of paper lies they were believing and how the gospel crushes those lies. Yeah. And I'm like, this is a small group leader. Yeah. And I looked at Amber and I said, even if we don't get this job, we have to come. Wow. We have to come because there's something about the way that they're teaching people about the gospel that we don't know. So even if it was just for a year or two, we have to come. Wow. We'd never seen anything like that before. I feel, I've heard you say that before. I totally forgot that. Well, I say, I say it a lot because it's true. Yeah. Wow. And uh, you got to understand that I, I went to seminary. Yeah. You know, I was part of good churches. Right. And we were growing churches. You know? I mean, we, we uh, the church that we planted actually uh, merged with a dying church and resurrected the building. And it's now thriving. In a, it's a neighborhood church. But again, the gospel we preached was only the gospel so that people could go to heaven. Right. And it wasn't how Jesus, it was like five happy steps to a good marriage as opposed to like, no, no, Christ is the purpose of marriage. Mm. Marriage points to the beauty of Christ. And the reason why you need to stay true to your covenant is not because God will throw you into hell if you get a divorce. Right. It's because Christ has covenanted with you and he's never going to leave you. And he has plenty of reason to leave you. Yeah. And as you dwell on that, there's no way you could turn your back on the covenant with your wife. There's no way. Yeah. If you truly understood your own sin. Yeah. Yeah. So it's different. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, hearing you say that, I, yeah, I, I almost a lot of times take it for granted. Sure. What, what we've got here. Yeah. It's one of the reasons that we, and the, in, in res kids there you go (laughs) (laughs) which you can sign up with weber or ren at resonatemovement.org um it's weber at resonatemovement.org if you want to sign up for res kids (laughs) um that's one of the reasons why we almost wholly write our own sure curriculum yeah because we struggle with that yeah because most most kids curriculum is you know and and i i love what people put out videos are beautiful the scripts the layouts i mean the the people put so much time and effort into it and i i find that a lot of the times the the message is jesus told this parable and the the point for the day is don't lie right or try harder or be nice to people obey your parents you know do this do that it's very you know uh because Jesus said so. Right. Because Jesus did it, you can do it. You know, it's like it's it's very And so what's the what's the weight that a church that's teaching that is putting on these kids' shoulders? Cuz these kids are going to do it. They're going to lie. Right. They're going to disobey their parents. Yeah. And the and the weight is why well, can never be that kid. Yeah. And so that's 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 not the only reason why, but that's a big reason why they turn away as opposed to That's why I did. And kids, you're you're going to lie. And that's yeah. the reason why Jesus had to come to earth. Yes. You need a savior. Yes. And it is finished. Yep. That's totally different. So every week. Yeah. We walk the kids through that that's great. process of like, okay, here's the principle that we're learning about God. Mm-hmm. Here's how Jesus comes into this. And now here's what it means to you. Yeah. You can't make the jump nope. without plugging Christ in there and understanding, oh, he, he actually changed this whole thing. Mm-hmm. 
It's not don't lie. Like, yeah, it's like, I'm going to lie. Thank God Jesus came and showed me this grace and mercy. And like, I'm so lucky. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's my goal that the kids leave there not being, you know, better kids. No. But that they would be falling more and more in love with this creator as they're just discovering all of these little facets of who he is through these stories that he put together for us in the Bible. And it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, and I, I say this all the time to, and you know, you, you preach and teach too, but to, to be there and to look at somebody and see them falling in love with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, how do I get to do this? Yeah. Is this real? Did that just happen? Did that first grader just yeah. make a gospel connection yeah. from like an old Testament story? That's it. This is impossible. Yeah. But it happens every week. And it, it's a big deal. And, and, you know, if there are any any people out there that are from Rest Kids listening that you've already served there, um, this week on Hayward's campus, we're going to baptize seven kids. That's amazing. Those are, those are That's your fruit. Yeah. That Like, praise God, right? Amazing. That's praise God, right? And so that, and they, it, some of these kids we've actually had, we're like, they're basically like, try and stop me this time. Because we didn't let them get baptized last <laughs> time. They're like, no, we're getting baptized. Yeah. Like, we're following Jesus, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Right? Yeah. And the good news is, you know, you know, when I was, when I was in college, when I was in seminary, when I was at my previous, um, stop, the, the weight I felt was I have to convince people. I have to have great arguments. I have to come up with every objection. I have to yeah, answer everything. Right. And now, um, I feel like my job is just helping people see how beautiful Jesus is. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's, Jesus says in Mark chapter four, it's farmer. He spreads some seed, you know, sometimes the seed falls on hard path. Sometimes it's thorny. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's shallow, but sometimes it's good. And when it's good, it's good. It's 30, 60, Yeah. Reproduction. Right. And so, I mean, we just have to, we just have to sow the seed, which means just preaching the gospel, just speaking good news to one another and to our community. Yeah. So moving to California. We did that. You did that thing. We put it on the wagon with the oxen. <laughs> we stopped at Fort Laramie and uh. <laughs> Flat Rock, all those Oregon Trail places, Cheyenne. Oh, we yeah. actually did stop at Cheyenne. Did you? Yeah. That, that's apparently the spot to be if uh, the nukes go off, right? Cheyenne, uh, Wyoming. I just remember that from Oregon Trail. That's, I think we that's, were moving west. That was from Walking Dead. Was <laughs> yeah, Cheyenne. I missed that season. Um yeah, what are, I mean, again, I've lived here my whole life, so the perspective of somebody coming to California yeah, yeah. is so valuable to me. I just love to know, like, what are you thinking? <laughs> what are we thinking by moving here? Or Yeah. I mean, the the housing market alone is intimidating for people to move here. And for good right? reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean the, the best way for me to explain it is, I felt like moving to California was moving to a foreign country where they happened to speak English. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. <laughs> That's basically what California felt for me. Because, we speak our own English here. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the same English, but um, that was the only thing that was similar. I mean, every, you know, the, just a real silly example. We, we, were, we were members of this, like, public pool, and they had this patch of grass that they watered. 
so there's grass in the summertime and i just like take my feet up and no dog has peed on it you know unlike the grass where i live you know <laughs> so i take my 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 shoes off so i can put my feet in grass because that's what we do in the midwest there's grass there's right. not like charred leftover yeah fire kindle you know <laughs> so it's, it's just stuff like that all the time you know you guys say soda we say pop oh yeah you know it's all yeah. kinds of little things like that and we have tri-tip you have tri-tip which, have, is, which uh, i'm in favor of dutch crunch bread. dude i uh i use all of amber's passes <laughs> to get dutch crunch pat yes bread. Uh, that's pretty it's important. worth it but you know um the the funny thing is uh californian culture especially from an urban perspective hmm. is, is the culture that we grew up with you know like the the music that yeah. Brian and Alan and Marco grew up listening to is the music I grew up listening to. Yeah. So in in those yeah. in those senses, it's it's really not that different. It's just um. Yeah the the housing prices the prices for even just throwing your trash away you know it's right. it's, it's out of control, but um, like I said, man, God God has um, he's been more than faithful. I think it was yeah. uh, two years ago. Resonate hosted a church planters um, informational meeting, and we invited uh, ten guys that yeah. were thinking about church planting. Yeah, and my wife, um, she came to that event, and she was talking to some of the some of the wives, and of mm. course the wives are freaking out. They're like, <laughs> like this this dude finally yeah. has a job. Yeah, <laughs> I've been supporting I've been supporting yeah. him his whole life. He's finally found a job, uh, and now he wants to go plant a church. Yeah, you know, and my wife looks at every single one of those women and says, God's never been so faithful in our lives. Huh. He's, I mean, she's not promising that because she's not God, but she's just giving, she's just giving testimony to what we've experienced. And, you know, Amber saw, you know, how alive I've become being a church planter, <coughs> you know, and that, you know, this is what God made me for. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So when you, when you when you landed, I'm trying to remember. It was so long ago now. December 2019. Dang. It was actually November 30th or 31st, whatever day is before December. I don't know how many days. 2019? No. 17th. That's the day before. Um, 17th. The day before December 1st, whatever okay. day that is. And then at that point, you started to meet the people who were like the Hayward core. Yeah. The Marcos, the... Ewings, the uh, yeah. Louise, yeah. Brian, Brian and Michelle, yeah, all these people, absolutely. Gosh, we miss them. Yeah, man, <laughs> we man, resonate oh. Fremont. You guys gave us the best. Oh, I, I mean, we just awesome, awesome people. This is why I go watch like fights with Hayward people. Yeah, man, come on down. All these, I love DJ it. always gets the fight. Anytime I can, I hang out with them. Like, oh, it's like a reunion. Dude, it's beautiful. Come on down. Yeah. I got to get there on a Sunday. I still haven't been. Would you believe that? Sure. Three years. I do, I do believe that. Because of res kids well, thriving in Fremont. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would never go to Fremont if I didn't have to preach. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it when you do because I get to see once in a while Amber comes up. Yeah. She brings the kids. Now, she usually comes up if she's not serving. Right, right. She's on the worship team at, at Hayward. Yeah. And I see the kids first. That's yeah, how sure. I know. Because they walk in, I'm like, oh, the Medellas are here. You're like, yes. Where's your dad? You yeah, we feel, we feel very honored when we're on Fremont's oh, campus. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. It's... Um, so talk about some of that. Like, 
the the pre-launch you're you're getting ready like what what did it look like to kind of put those pieces together before officially i mean you didn't have a, a spot yet you had to pick a spot you had to meet the team you had to learn your way around like all all that the mechanics of like just how that that went down uh and i had to learn the gospel oh by the way <laughs> <laughs> so um that's right you know you know part of this i mean we were in the you were in my first mc I was, yeah. Yeah, Ryan Kwan led an MC, and you were his apprentice. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was living at the hotel. He was living at the hotel. The house flooded. That's funny. Yeah, I remember. That's right. um, Yeah, I remember he had me lead, and um, it was the first time I heard the difference between good news versus good advice. And when I got here, I couldn't Uh. distinguish between the two. And you know, if you're listening out there, good news is what Christ has already done. That's why it's called good news. It's some. It's an announcement. Yeah. So it. It's it's a heart change because of what Christ has done. So what Christ thinks about you, what Christ has done for you, your yeah. value because the creator of the world was crucified. That's good news. And good advice is what you do. Right. It's you ought or how could you. Yeah, you should. Or why you should, right. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, most of my Christian walk has been good advice, not good news. Yeah. So it's very guilt, which is... Which is um, really damaging for somebody like me. I'm, I'm the second born kid, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, the, I'm yeah. the pleaser. I'm the, I'm the one that gets my worth from academics and stuff like that. Yeah. And so my life has been a life of good, good advice. Like this is what you should do. Right. Mm. And so I remember we were in this, uh, you and I were in this small group Yep. and a gentleman, um, talked about how, you know, he needs to read his Bible more and, and I was leading the MC and I didn't catch it. And thankfully, Ryan jumps in and said, well, well, why do you think that is? <laughs> you know, he's like, well, if I read my Bible more then God will love me. <sighs> and, and, you know, I, I didn't catch it, you know, and, and Ryan lovingly was like, hey, this is, this is the most important thing we do. And not MC, but um, actually helping people distinguish the difference between good news and good advice. Yeah. And so Ryan goes through and says, you, you should read your Bible more, but not so that God loves you, but so that you can hear that he loves you. How much? Yeah. yeah, how much? And so you actually, you read it until you actually want to read it <laughs> huh. because the good news soaks into your heart. You're like, I want more. Right. It's like somebody's telling you how amazing you are or how much value you bring. Right. And that's what the scriptures do um, because they point to the son who was, you know, mercilessly sacrificed for us, right? And so like value is determined on the price that's paid. Huh. And so as we look at that, it just shows us, you know, the most important entity was, was broken for us. So there's almost a replanting going on in you. That's the irony. And that's the, that's the grace of God. And, you know, if you, I, I, I say this all the time because I think this is important for people to hear. Mm. Um, God can change anyone's heart. And the only way he changes their hearts through the gospel is by hearing who Jesus is and what he's done. That's the only way that hearts are changed. And so I, I tell people, I'm like, hey, go go to uh, December, I think it was like December 26th or December 28th, 20, uh, 2015. Go catch that tape. And that's my first sermon at Resonate. And it's awful. Hmm. It's bad. <laughs> it's really bad. I'm trying to remember it. Yeah, good. I'm glad you don't. Okay. <laughs> and and not that I'm a great preacher now, 
But right. I do know that when I get up on stage, the only thing I'm trying to accomplish is helping people see the sun. Yeah. As opposed to here's three steps to make your life better or your marriage better. And that's what I, that's what that first sermon was. It was all about how we need to work harder and mm. you know, that kind of thing, which is garbage. Cause we'll never work hard enough. Mm. I mean, if, if that's your standard, how do you know, how do you know you've gotten there? Yeah. How do you know? You're never and, done. And how do you know then that <clears throat> what Christ did for us is enough? Well, because the grave's empty, right? That's how we know the grave's empty. He's not there. Right. Mm. And so it's done. Yeah. So that's the difference. And so like, yeah. I try to help people like sometimes people are frustrated on our campus because, Oh, there's not enough people making disciples. I'm like, okay, well, so that's our job, right? Our job <laughs> is to like take people aside, <laughs> preach the gospel to them. Yeah. It's like, they need, they need to be discipled. They need, yeah. you know, like if you look at the scriptures, Paul was, as Scott Taylor likes to say, kicking some chicken. Right. <laughs> And, um, <laughs> and so what, what ends up happening is Barnabas goes and takes him aside and shows him how to actually preach the gospel. And Paul's a Pharisee, man. Paul's a, yeah. Paul's a, Paul's a lawyer. Paul, Paul read the Bible in Hebrew. Like you, you're giving me like right. a hat tip because I can know like a few words in Hebrew. Like yeah. Paul read it in Hebrew, right? And Greek. Uh, right. And, and wrote a lot of it, by and, the way. <laughs> and he wrote a lot of it. But before all of that happens... <clears throat> Barnabas is taking him aside and mentoring him huh. like every single person, you know, that that's, that's what Christ did. Christ spent tons of time with these 12 yeah. knuckleheads yeah, and specifically three and it changed the world. Yeah. It's the best model of discipleship. <clears throat> that That is the model, the model and the model is, and, and when you think about it, it's like, it's three years with these clowns. Yeah. Right. It's it's a long time. And so, I mean, I just look at my life. I mean, you you wouldn't want to see the sin of my life. You'd be like, oh my gosh, this guy's a pastor. And hmm. it's just discipleship, man. It's just as the gospel continues to, to seep into my soul, it starts to kick out those lies. But it's a process. It's always a process. So yeah, so that's hmm. what's going on as we're trying to like yeah. organize and like make make launch team informational meetings, getting systems going, getting to learn the systems, wow. getting getting to know all the procedures. What a Which, heck of a journey. I, I'd never I'd never considered the the two tracks of things that were going on for you at the same time. Like you're you're transforming in the midst of like yeah. doing this yeah, crazy thing. <laughs> and 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 really not sure, you know, how this was going to turn out to be honest with you and Yeah. Um, in April, Ryan took me to exponential exponential is a uh, church planting conference. That's run by our friends in Chicago. I think it's, uh, Christ community or Christian community church. I can't remember which one. Right. But, um, uh, there, (laughs) there was a guy, I won't say who it was that gets on stage. That's basically, uh, saying, Hey, like if, if your if your church isn't exploding, then you're not the guy. And I hear that, and I'm about to plant a church, and I'm freaking out. Uh-huh. Like I about like threw up, <laughs> like crap. That's like <laughs> looking at Ryan, like dang it, right? Oh man! And then right after him comes um, Matt Chandler, and Matt opens up to the Book of Acts, and he's talking about all these. He's talking about Philip. Mm-hmm. That it's it's not it's not the apostles that are going out to plant churches. It's Philip. Yeah. It's just some. It's just some dude. Yep. He's just some dude. He's not, he's not even like, 
he's just some dude. Yeah. You know? And and Chandler gets up there and basically says, you're called to plant this church, not somebody else. And you're yeah. called to plant the church that God is calling you to plant. Huh. And you can rest in that call because God is the one that called you, not somebody else. And then I finally started breathing again. And you're like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thank God. I love you, Matt. <laughs> well, because like, I know me, you know. And, you know, I'm, I'm next to Ryan Kwan. Yeah. Who's like on the main stage who's got this thousand yeah. person church and i'm yeah. like oh my gosh is that is that what i'm supposed to be and the answer is no nope i'm supposed to be what i'm supposed to be right yeah yeah and i i kind of like you know just even the 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 great thing about church planting is like god willing someday we'll plant a church in oakland or alameda or in pleasanton or in san mateo or wherever you know resonate hayward's going to plant another church hmm. And the beautiful thing about it is that that church isn't going to look like Resonate Hayward. It's going to look like Alameda or yep. San Mateo or yep. Pleasanton. You know what I mean? And that's why we have to plant churches. Fremont, mm. Fremont's not Hayward. Yeah. Hayward's not Oakland. Yeah. Oakland's not Berkeley. I mean, I, I think this thing, as we continue to make disciples that make disciples, I mean, the sky's the limit. I mean, that's how the church, that's, that's why we're here today. Yeah. People are making disciples. Second Timothy two two the things you heard me say right say to other yes people that are going to teach other people yeah that's it yeah so that's that's what was happening man, man. that happened it's a mind blowing oh. experience here um, yeah it's wild then we had the summer we were trying to help people be on mission be intentional yep. telling them to like and one of the one of the big things that I don't want to say we've lost but you know it's hard to platform. It was easy to platform back in the day because mm. we were just talking to like 40 people. Yeah. <laughs> and the message was pretty sharp. Hey, if you guys don't start rowing, we're going to sink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but one of the things when it came to the, the missional side of things, like, well, how is it that we actually live on mission? How do we how do we meet people that don't know Jesus? Yeah. And the, and the one thing that I try to tell people is like, do things you love. You don't need to go door to door like a Jehovah's Witness or like a Mormon. And people like people don't like that anyway. I mean, it's just, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're getting them on the day where they're off, you know, you're going to ring the doorbell at nine in the morning. I'm going to punch you. Uh, yeah, okay, don't it's my one, me. it's my one day to sleep in. Right. This is I thank God my, uh, my door is so far from the street. I don't get any. Exactly. Only once. And she was trying to rob me. Well, there you go. Didn't go well. Yeah. yeah. That's a scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So I tell people like, what, what do you love, man? Do you love, do you love softball? Go join a softball league. Yep. Like, don't ever ask Resonate, don't ever, well, I'll speak for Resonate Hayward. Don't ever ask me to do a Resonate Hayward softball league. I will, <laughs> I, I will grab your throat, okay? Because there's Soccer? tons of, huh? nothing. Oh. Because whatever you're into, yeah, there are leagues out there already. Right. Go. People who don't know Jesus. Yeah. Like, go play with them and then invite them into your house. Yep. Or go to their house. But, like, get to know them and get to love them, right? And I was trying to help everybody understand that, like, man, whatever you're into, man, just just go do that. If you're into esports, go, I mean, go to the mall where they have these esports dens or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Like, whatever it is, just go, and uh, that's just your natural in. Yeah. Yeah, get to know people, love them, pray for your neighbors, get to know them. So you started with 40. And then yeah, it's they're... 40, 50. I don't think we have the exact number. We had, like... We Something had like, like 40 kids and or 40 adults and like 20, 25, 30 kids. It was a lot of kids. That's right. Yeah. Everybody that went had like five kids. Yeah. Between yeah. Uh, me, the Marquezes, and the Del Rosarios, we have 11 kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of kids. 
I got kids coming out of everywhere. Yeah, we got a, we have a hundred kids in Hayward right now. Gosh, that doesn't include AMP, which is at about twenty twenty five. It's amazing. That's, that's a, a lot. That's a crazy ratio because you a, get it's a lot. Three hundred people or so now, something like that. On, yeah, it's somewhere Sunday. from like two fifty to three three twenty five. And a, a fifth to a sixth of them are all kids. That's pretty good. It's a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. It might be a third. Wow. Yeah. So I, I'm jealous. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. And Lisa did a an awesome job, and now I know Ren's going to do a great job. So. Yeah. Yep. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what she's going to do. Yeah. Um, What have been if just some stories that are like wins? You know, more like like the seven baptism thing. Some of the things that have been like, yes, that's why we did this. And then maybe a couple like, it was hard here. Like this is this is the, the reality of planting a church. Like there's going to be, yeah, moments and there's going to be oh no moments. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, the oh no moments, you know. Um, I, I don't think it's just church planting. I, I think... Um, I think anytime you're involved in people's lives, it's messy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm surprised when people come to me, uh, especially like MC leaders and they're like, man, this is really hard. Or, you know, this person stabbed me in the back and I was trying to help them. And, you know, they, they really dishonored me, Hmm. you know? And, uh, and that's that's the work. Like I've I've gone up to a few MC leaders recently and just said, um, "You're you're a co-laborer. Hmm. Like if you open up the Book of Philippians, like thinking about you brings me joy because you're actually dying so that other people can live. Yeah, and you're 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 eating a lot of it, and you're 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 just loving them and you're kind of taking it and you're trying to just help people grow. I mean, if you're if you're church planting, um, you're gonna get some non-believers, which is great, and um, you know, um, and you're going to get some folks that think they're mature that aren't mature. Right. Right. And, um, it's just, it's just the patience. Um, it's people, man. Yeah. Like ministry is about people. Church is about people, whether you're a minister or not, you're around people. Yeah. And so, um, that it can be hard. Right. And, and if you think you're in it for you, then it's going to be hard. Um, but you know, uh, if you, if you know that Christ is shepherding through you, then I think it's a little bit different. And, and more importantly, you know that, like, whatever, however people treat you, like, you've you've dishonored the Lord way more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to go there if you yeah. don't. I mean, I, I think that's been the hardest thing is is, some, is the way that the, sometimes the people, you know, it's like you pour yeah. into folks and, and, and then it, the relationship just kind of goes sideways. Right. And, so, and sometimes it's your fault and sometimes it's not. And that's just, the, you know, we're in the people business. Yeah. Well, it's... It... That's relationship. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't do discipleship right. without, without getting close. Right. And yeah, the nature of being humans is that as you get closer. Yeah. So you, the proverb. Catch elbows. <laughs> there's a proverb that uh, Solomon writes, you know, where uh, when the, when the barn is full, you know, when you have oxen, you can do a lot of work. Uh. But when, when you have a lot of oxen, you have a lot of manure. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. It's it's the yeah. Bible, right? That's the Wilmadell version, but that's basically what it it's says. True, yeah. It's like, hey, if you want to get a lot of work done, it takes oxen, but you know, you got you got a shovel. Go into some wins. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think there's a, 
you know, obviously one of the biggest wins is seeing people growing um, into like leadership capacities. So mm. like, I think of like, um, like Ken Ewing, you know, yeah, um, who's always been a great guy. I, I don't know his story prior to, meaning like, I don't know his day-to-day story, obviously. Right. I spent time with him, but I'm not sure what he did in Fremont, right? Right. But like, I know in Hayward, he's, he's a rock star. He's our... Yep. He's our road crew captain for our setup team, and he's already reproduced himself. He was gone this weekend. It was almost like he, like we didn't need him, which mm. is which is the best compliment you can give somebody who's discipling somebody. Yes. Right? Yeah. When, once you become an accessory, and, right? <laughs> and then you're yeah. You're and now I'm like, okay, man, just give me like two more reproduced like that, man, and then yep. we'll put you somewhere else, which yep. is fantastic. Um, you know, right now we have uh, 14 MCs in Hayward. We got 175 people in small groups, which is a stupid amount of people. Yeah. And uh, what's really cool is we have 14 MCs, 18 of them, sorry, eight of them have apprentices. And um, like half of those could launch in the next year, which is great. So, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, The relationship we've had with the city and the school district has been really good. We're really thankful for that. Right. You meet at the Hayward School Hub. Yeah, right, it's called the it's called the Parent Hub. It used to be known as John Muir School. It's right. kind of fun because I run into people that actually went to school there as kids. Huh. Yeah, which is really yeah. it's kind of weird. They walk like, man, this is a church now. It used to yeah. be a gym. He's catch them looking around. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, the the Parent Hub is great um, because it it really is a center for a lot of work in the school district. So we have a lot yeah. of cool relationships there. Different different agencies we can we can partner with. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and, you know, people's neighbors are coming to church, you know, people's people that have had broken relationships, um, they're coming to, they're coming back to the Lord and um, people whose marriages have been stymied. Huh. Um, like, uh, somebody came up to me on Sunday and they're like, Hey, we're going to the resonate. Um, I don't know if it's a resonate, but it's like a marriage retreat or something. And then they're going to, um, weekend to remember. Yeah. And, uh, and then it's like, and by the way, it was, it was the other spouse that is their opinion. It was their idea. They're the ones that booked it. Right. And I was like, wow, that's, uh, it's like a miracle. Restoration. Yeah. Yes. And so just, um, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. So cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Man. I got to get up there. Darn it. I yeah. I see this. I've, yeah. I've been there midweek. A bunch of times, it's empty. <laughs> right. Yeah, midweek doesn't. There's nothing going <laughs> changing, on midweek. Changing sets or whatever. Yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Don't, don't do that. You Darn have to it. come on a Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Nine fifteen, eleven fifteen at the Parent Hub. That's so cool. Yeah. So, um, you're three years in. Yep. Uh, what are what are some things on your mind as far as like what what are some next steps for the Hayward campus and Obviously, the the Fremont campus is going through. A, the way we're branding it is we're planting again. Yeah, you guys are replanting. We're replanting, which is a great way to think about it. Yeah, we're, you know, this building is a launching point. Yeah, for all kinds of things that we haven't yet been able to do and may not have been ready to yeah. do, and now it's like, okay, we're taking the leash off this thing. <laughs> Let's see where it goes. Yeah. Um, what do you what are you looking forward to? just with, with your folks in Hayward and, and where you're moving things. Yeah. So, um, I feel like 
everybody's next step on our campus is moving to becoming a reproducing disciple. How did I know you were going to say that? That's well, that's that's where we are. We have a lot of <laughs> yes. very mature believers, awesome yeah. people that um, sacrifice a lot of time with yeah. their family, time finances. And I know people on Hayward's campus uh, that did not go on vacation this year because they wanted to give to Fremont's building, <laughs> which is amazing. They, they, they did not go on vacation. <laughs> So that's that's what? amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they just they told the kids that. we're not we're not going because we believe in the mission of this church. Holy cow. Yeah, and that's awesome. I mean, that's that's a changed heart and and then so then our next step is for that family to come alongside another family and to just disciple them and help them understand yeah. that man money isn't everything. Like stuff stuff breaks. It's going to yeah. we're going to throw it away someday. Right. Like where's your where's your phone from 4 years ago? It's in, it's in that drawer right on the bottom of it. I don't even know where mine is. Doesn't mine is, work. Mine is on a boat somewhere, it's right? Trash. Yeah, it's just it's just messed up, you know. And so, you know, that's that's really our next step yeah. is is helping everybody kind of develop that that gear of just right. helping somebody take a next step. Whether that's, hey man, I'm an usher. Why don't you come be an usher with me? Or hey, come join me in the small group and or yeah. just seeing somebody on Hayward's campus that's sitting there eating a donut at a table by themselves and going and introducing yep. yourself, you know? And, yep. um, yeah, that, that for sure is our next step. That's big. That's huge. And we've seen it. So, um, you know, this last weekend <clears throat> we had, a we had a, a woman visit our campus. It was her second time there, but she's already part of it. My wife's MC and another woman from my wife's MC saw her and was like, Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Like they're talking. And then, yeah. um, the one that's been there for a while said, well, you know, after church, we, we tear down. Would you like to help us? And the woman that's only been there for two weeks was like, sure. Which is phenomenal. Huh. <laughs> and like, that's all it takes. Just like, Hey, would you like to? Yeah. Hang like, out. That's yeah. Hang out, help. Yeah. So come, come, come wow. to come, come study the Bible with us. Come eat at my house. It really is just that invitation. Yeah. And that's, what's going to help us get to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's what we, that's a similar step for the Fremont, you know, because at, at this point we're, we're anticipating an influx of mm -hmm. people. Yep. And from whatever, whatever people from, you know, colleges, yep. people off the street, God willing, bring them, mm -hmm. you know, kids that, that we don't know, kids that haven't been born yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, and just that discipleship engine, getting people in that reproducing mode, growing themselves, excited about making that turn, you know, making that invitation. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to become that, you know, that, um, yeah. people always talk about churches, oh, where 5% of the people do 90% of the work. Yeah, that's whatever. not resonate. We don't want that. No. No. We have, uh, we've got about a hundred members officially on our role in Hayward. Right. There are only two that don't serve. So that's 98%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is my, my math yeah. right on that? That's, yeah. That's, cr that's a crazy amount. That's uh, that's an obscene amount. Yeah. That's amazing. But again, that, that, 98, that 98% then, their next step is finding somebody that's attending our church and right. saying, hey, come to this new guest barbecue with me. Hey, come to this. Right. You know, Unwrap's coming up. Hey, come to Unwrap with me. Right. Right. You know, come join my small group. Come, yeah. whatever. Come over and eat. Yeah, hang. 
yeah, just hang back with. We're gonna go eat after tear down. Come tear down with us and then go eat with us. Right. Yeah. Um. Well, Will, I got two more questions for you. All right. These are, these are the best ones yet. You think so? Um. <laughs> so, if you if you if you could think about yourself, I do that a lot. Six years ago. Okay. Seven yeah. years ago. Yeah. Uh, and my my earnest prayer is always that these podcasts get to the ears of the people who need to hear them. Sure. You know? And yeah. my my prayer is that there's somebody who was sent a link to this that we don't even know. Sure. We don't even know this fella or this gal. There they are. And uh, they're feeling the beginnings of this calling. And they're feeling that stirring. Yeah. Something like like God is doing something. I think it might be like going into ministry. Yeah. Or maybe planting a church. Yeah. And it scares them. Maybe they're ignoring it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they're trying to figure out what it is. Maybe there's other people telling them, you know, just like they told you. And they're like, I don't, me? Yeah. You know? Talk to, talk to Will when he was um, 33. <laughs> 30 like what what would you say back in time to that guy yeah so i'm I'm in a little different situation at 33 because i'm already in full-time ministry yeah um so i i would maybe say will when he's like 23 okay yeah i'll go there and that and that guy i would say um a couple things one one is um and this would be good whether you have a call or not Mm. I, i would say um find a community that's gonna love you yeah. And when I say love you, I mean like that would be able to look you in the eyes and tell you some hard things that you need to hear about your life, about your marriage, about your direction, about the way you spend time, way, right. the way you spend money. Like find that community and it's not about like it's not about people beating you up. It's about people that actually love you. Mm. Enough to like really help you grow. I would say find that community. Find mm. whether it's a uh, two dudes or two ladies, you know, if you're a male or female, just two people that, um, you can be transparent with and be honest with and share everything. Like somebody's going to be like, man, this is, this is the argument I had with my spouse and this is why, and this Mm. is what I thought. And, you know, and finding somebody that's going to say, okay, so, you know, what's the lie you were believing and how does the gospel challenge that lie? Right. Yeah. So you got you got to find that community so that you can you can start working on those blind spots and knowing, knowing what what you're good at and what you're not good at. And then the second thing is, um, you know, hone your craft. You know, um, and so again, we we've been joking, but like I jump into res kids. You know, yeah. that's where I I, I started with um, middle school kids. Right. You know, that's that's where I started, and and some people start and they never leave, which is great. Yeah. Um, and some people start, and that's just where they start teaching and. Um, and it's not about teaching just wherever you are, you know, you got to figure out how God has created you. The scriptures are very clear. Yeah. Every single person who follows Christ has some type of spiritual gift and that gift is for the body. It's for us. And so, man, when you don't show up, I like this illustration. Somebody said that like, you know, if you're like a hand, you know, people are like, well, man, a, a body without a hand, you know, it's like you're missing a hand, <laughs> right, right. but like a hand without a body is going to die. Right. So it's like, none of the, no, yeah. it's that thing from, yeah, uh, it's from the Adams family. What is that thing? Yeah. It's yeah. thing. Yeah. It? <laughs> so, uh, I like the eyeball one, the eyeball one. Yeah. I don't know that one. 
Well, what if what if everybody was an eyeball? Oh yeah, I mean, like that's the, that's scripture right there. You're right? just a giant eye. Yeah, with... <laughs> that'd be gross, right? Um, but 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 like in in all seriousness, seriousness, like find find out how God has created you. And, and when I say that, I'm what I want you to hear is like, what makes you alive? Hmm. So there was this guy. I'll, I'll throw him out, man. He's a good good guy. His name is Ted Sig, uh, back at my old church in Chicago. Yeah. And dude was uh, he who's like a carpenter. And so he would do all of the sets for our church. Yeah. He would, he would, um, like we'd have vacation Bible school with like sixth graders. Right. And he would, he would like bring in his power tools and they would like make stools and all kind of like power saws and like he'd do like. Little wood shop. Yeah. Little wood shop. Yeah. And, and this dude is just like, um, I can't believe God would use me for this. Uh-huh. He's like, God gets, to, you know, and, and that's what you're looking for. Yep. You're looking for like, I can't believe God would use me for this. And, and, and a lot of times, and this is what I love about any portable church situation is right. like, especially the dudes. Cause like in most churches, the only thing a guy can do sometimes is teach a Sunday school class. Well, how many Sunday school teachers are there? Not, not that many, Nope. but in portable church, we need as many guys and girls yeah. to set up curtains, yeah. sets, tech, whatever. And like everybody has a place in portable church. Yeah. We need we need more people everywhere, and so you you actually get to do what you're good at and what you're you know how yeah. God has created you. So I would say those two things like find community, find out how God has created you, and then and then the final thing is like obviously, man, learn the gospel, learn that your identity comes from what what God has has done, not what you have to do, and um, if 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 you are doing things because you're trying to get approval, yeah. you'll, you'll burn out. Yeah. Um, my darkest days are the days where I think this thing depends on me. Yep. And my best days are the days where I'd say, I can't believe I get to do this. And there's times, man, there's times on, on Sunday mornings where I'm about ready to go up on stage. Yeah. And, uh, and God just, just, it's like a small nudge where he's just like, remember what you're doing. These are people I died for. And I'm just like, Ugh. yeah. Like, Oh my gosh. Pride and gone. <laughs> Vaporized, right? Because, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm like, I am have the privilege of leading these people into the presence of God. Yeah. That's the craziest thing ever. Yeah. It's the craziest thing ever. And so, I mean, that third thing is, man, just, just be surrounded, be immersed in the gospel, be immersed in good news mm. and not what you have to do or oughts or I should or any of that garbage. Yeah. Yeah, those are the three things I'd say to me. It's awesome. Yeah, I I wish somebody would have said because I was afraid, I was afraid to be authentic. Yeah, you know, I was always tired and yep. you know working on something other than my craft, and I was definitely preaching good advice to myself and not good news. Hmm. Well, that leads me to my last question. Yeah. Uh, my favorite question to ask anybody, and I think you've probably answered it maybe four or five times already that's good but (laughs) this time it's just purely what is it about this jesus that has has led someone like you to do what you do and why why is this so beautiful to you that you devote your life to learning that craft to leading his people to making more followers of him yeah so um when I when I was growing up, I idolized my older brother, Dennis. Huh. I mean my, my brother Dennis, he was a stud. 
um, he was a star football player. Um, my dad was like always proud of him. And, uh, my, my brother, um, let's just say he was popular and we'll leave it at that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I, I really wanted to be like him. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I was very unlike him. I, uh, I was very, uh, nerdy. The word wasn't scholarly. It was nerdy, very unpopular. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> um, not athletic, uh, not cool. Didn't have a lot of friends. And so I, I just, I looked at my life and I looked at my brother's life and I wanted to be like him. And so I, I started to change when my brother left for college. I started trying to be more like him. Mm. Um, I started, uh, I, I started caring about the things that I wore. I started hanging out with, with the right people. I started right. doing the right things. <clears throat> and the, the apex was, um, you know, I, I started playing football. I, I didn't, I wasn't really a, I wasn't that guy. I was right. The only reason why I actually got on the team was because there were only 18 guys that went out for the team and you need 22. <laughs> <laughs> and sure. so, we'll so throw him in there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they didn't have a choice. Oh. <laughs> uh, they needed me. They needed a warm body. <laughs> and, uh, and so my senior year was this crazy mixture of these highs, uh, these amazing things. I, my, by my senior year, I went from like nerd to like I was actually captain of the football team. Huh. Um, I graduated uh, salutatorian and national honor society president, and um, I had been awarded a full ride scholarship to the University of Michigan. Wow! And so I had all these things, and then the popularity that I was seeking as well. And I remember going to this party with this kid that was one of the most popular kids, and yeah, uh, we were studying that night. Wink, wink. And, um, in the midst of, after everybody had left, I remember him saying, man, I'm like really popular and I'm so alone. Hmm. And I just remember like thinking, man, this is the most popular kid in school. Wow. And he's alone. He's like the, like every, every kid in school would want to be this guy. Yeah. And he's empty. And I just remember thinking there is something, there's something wrong with us. There's something wrong because I've got everything I ever wanted. Like everything that my brother had, I had and more because I had the athletics and the academics. Right. And I was empty. I was resonating with what my friend was saying. And then about a month later, a friend gave me a a Bible and I read that thing cover to cover in three months. Hmm. And it just, it just changed my life. Like I just, I just became alive. I became alive. And then later, um, this friend took me to a church camp where I finally heard the gospel for the first time that Mm. the reason why I felt dead was because I was dead because I didn't have a relationship with God because I was bearing all this sin on my own. There was a penalty that needed to be paid. But the good news was that Jesus actually willingly took that penalty. Like he actually died, Yeah, you know, and that was when I, I gave my life to Christ and instantly saw fulfillment instantly felt like Hmm. life was worth living like this was good and telling other people about this is a worthwhile thing so Hmm. that was my that was between my senior year of of high school and my freshman year of college and and everybody just like including my parents thought i went off the deep end they thought i joined a cult or you're not i know well because i was (laughs) i wasn't a ever i wasn't really a bad kid but i wasn't like that kid yeah you know i wasn't a church kid right 
And, um, and so I started like leading a Bible study that, that summer in like the library for some of my friends, whoever would come, you know, and, and just all these different things. And, um, I think the bottom line is at some levels, I know who I am and, um, I know I don't deserve it. Hmm. And it doesn't matter how many churches I plant. I could never, I could never account for all the wrong I've done, for all the people I've hurt, for the destruction that I've brought into this world. There's, there's no way. And Christ willingly took that for me. And not only took it, but um, has given me all the rights that he deserves. Yep. And has given me um, just this message that would actually change the world. So I don't believe that every day. That'd be a lie if I right. to but when I'm able to stop and think about it, like what else could I do with my life? Like I've you know, this is this is the first sermon that I preached that resonates. Like Peter's Jesus is <laughs> looking at Peter and he's like, Do you want to leave too, like these other people? And Peter's mm-hmm. like, Lord, where else would we go? We know that you have the words of eternal life. Right. And there have actually been times where I've tried to like walk away and I just can't. Yep. There have been times where like my friends they're all dogging me and they're all making fun of me. And I'm like, I can't do it anymore. I can't, I, I can't do this Jesus thing anymore. And like, I then like, I can't walk away. Hmm. It's not possible. Yeah. So for, for me, it's wow. just like, I, I, I know on some level who I am. I know I don't know to the depth because if I did, I'd be horrified. But yeah. in some levels, like it, it doesn't make any sense that yeah. I get to do what I do. I, I know who I am. Yeah, and so if if God can call and use me, I know He can call and use anybody. Mm. I know He can. There's no question about it. Yeah, and someday you'll see that. You'll yeah. see like, oh my gosh, that God used that. Like you'll see all my sin on it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like oh, whoa. <laughs> you know, but I I just know, man. If yeah, if if God can change my life and and use this one life, then I know anybody. It's awesome. I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. To to be to be fully known for everything that I am. Even in in the things I have forgotten. Yeah. That I didn't even I wouldn't even ever remember that he knows it all. Yeah. And says it's finished. Yep. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. Doesn't make any sense. I'm so glad he did it though. <laughs> I'm so glad. Well, Will, uh, man, I told you the first day I met you that I was so glad you were here. <laughs> Thanks, man. And I'm I'm still so glad you're here. You haven't. <laughs> That's good. You haven't. I'm glad I haven't opinion. worn out my <laughs> my stay. That's good. Yeah. There might be some other people in the office that would disagree with you, but I appreciate you. Feel uh, that way. You tell them to talk to me. I, I will. That's right. Okay. Um, dude, thank you so much. This yeah. is such a blessing to talk to you, man. I love you. Yeah. You're, you're my brother. Yeah, let's, I love you too, man. Let's go. Yeah, right on. Give me a little high five over here. All right. Bam. Thank you. All right. There's that one down. Thank you so much, Will, for coming on the show. Uh, man, I as, as I'm sitting here after the interview's over, I'm just processing some of the stuff that he was saying. And what a great story, really. I mean, <laughs> cliche, that's the name of the podcast. But that's it, it's an amazing story uh, because, really, at, at the core of it, it's God's story. And, and 
it's such a privilege. It's such an honor to get to play a part in what he is doing. And I, and I know that I can see that Will feels that way. Again, I can't wait to see what's next for him. It's amazing. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, again, if you want to follow the show on uh, Facebook, just look for The Great Stories Podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can listen to it on Stitcher, uh, the po- Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play. It's even on YouTube, the audio versions. Uh, just search up for The Great Stories Podcast. Don't forget the word the. If you put in anything else, you won't find it. Um, and of course, I-, I always say this, and I'm calling you all out. Because none of you have emailed me yet. Please, if you want to come on the show, shoot me an email at thegreatstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Guarantee you, there are people out there just like you. For every person that I have sit across this table from me, uh, there's a million other ones just like you who need to hear what this this guy that we call Lord has meant for you. And I want to record your story, so shoot me an email. Uh, Until that, or until then... Uh, keep listening. Keep sharing the episodes. Let's get this word out. I'm so excited uh, for what's next. We've been going at this for a year. I just realized. Wow. Wow. I, my first episode was October 1st. That's crazy. Let's keep going. Come with me. All right. See you next time. Bye. All right, you're still listening, so this means either you knew this was going to happen, or you just happened to leave your podcaster playing, and uh, you've discovered something. This is the portion of the show where I just kind of say whatever I want, and uh, it's my show, so I can do that. Sometimes I read scripture, I say deep things, inspiring things, but today I'm going to say goofy things. Uh, I recently had a conversation with somebody uh, who, and, and this happens from time to time, I feel like when you're in a group, eventually at some point someone's going to talk about how the possums in their neighborhood are so huge or the, you know, they saw a raccoon in the street, you know, running down the storm drain, <laughs> something like that. You always hear these stories. And I always love that conversation because I have this story. So I lived in Newark. Uh, I was living by myself at, at one point. And I had a cat. His name was Oliver. He's a rescue. Um, and what I do is I had that, like this little, you know, uh, opening in, in the window that I could leave open uh, for the cat to come in and out. You know, the cat would go out and do his business somewhere in the neighborhood, probably crapping in someone's begonias. And then he would come back and, and you know, and I usually leave that open, you know, whatever at night and all that. And so... One evening, uh, I'm leaving the thing open, and I, I go to bed, great, and, you know, right, at, you know, that bewitching hour at night when all the weird things happen, it's like two or three in the morning, 
the uh, the cat comes in and he like jumps onto the bed, and and like which was rare for him. He was not a very affectionate cat. I didn't like him very much. He didn't like me, but for some reason tonight, like he's on the bed and uh, he's like growling. I think is is that. What do cats do? Do they purr and they meow? But is there do they growl? Is that a is there another word for cats? Anyway, somebody text me that if there's a word for that. Anyway, he's growling. He's like, and he's looking down at the foot of the bed, and I'm thinking, like, oh, cat, like, what is your problem? What do you want? And so I open my eyes and I look at him, and he's he's like very like high alert, looking down at the at the my feet basically, and I'm thinking like, okay, gosh, like he must have maybe there's another cat that got in here and you know whatever he's upset about it i don't know you know so i i kind of poke my head up and i look down and i i just see this little pair of eyes <laughs> looking over just just barely peeking up over the edge of my uh in my bed and at the time i i was the type of guy i just threw a mattress on the floor and just slept there i didn't have a bed frame so you know a, a small animal like that you know just peek up over the over the edge of the bed and then, you know, I'm like, oh gosh, like what, what is that? You know, some cats in here, freaking neighborhood cats. <laughs> and then I look a little bit to the left and I see another set of eyes poke up over the edge of the bed. And I'm like, oh gosh, now we're, now we're having a party. And this is all very quick. I'm giving it to you, the slow-mo version. And, and then I look to the right and, and into the doorway of the apartment. And I... I like to sleep in almost a total like sensory deprivation. So I don't like any light anywhere. But there's always, you know, if you have a door open in your bedroom, there's always some light that kind of comes in and I I could just see the silhouette of a of a small animal down there and it struck me that this was not a cat. This uh what I was looking at looked to me to be the silhouette of a raccoon. <laughs> and you know, as I'm shaking off the, you know, oh, I, you know, I just woke up, you know, thinking straight, and I kind of, you know, bulge your eyes out, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, what, what is this? And I go, oh my gosh, this is a raccoon. And I look at the other two, and now, you know, my eyes are kind of coming into focus, and the eyes that are poking up over the bed, like their heads look very raccoon-like to me, also. And then I, I realize inside my own mind, I'm like, Ryan. There's three raccoons in your bedroom. <laughs> I'm like, ah! And, you know, people respond differently <laughs> to these types of situations. I discovered that night that I fly into an instant rage. And I, <laughs> I, I reached over to my left and I grabbed whatever was sitting there. I had a couple pairs of shoes next to the bed. I think I had a, like a book. It might have been... <laughs> Might have been a Bible. I might have thrown a Bible at these raccoons. But I grabbed whatever I could and I jumped up on the bed like an angry chimpanzee and just started chucking stuff at these raccoons. And they flipped out also. So I'm screaming at them and throwing things. And they're just scurrying out of the bedroom, freaking out. And now, you know, they're running out of the bedroom. They take a left down the hallway into the kitchen and they're, they're heading back for the little cat door. And the whole way, I'm chasing them just pelting them with, with whatever random stuff I can reach. And they finally go out the window and they leave. Now I'm standing there out of breath. My heart's beating fast. <laughs> I'm just like, what just happened? This is ridiculous. So I finally, you know, I calm down. I go to bed, whatever. Okay, and I'm thinking, wow, that'll teach them, you know. <laughs> well, no, it didn't. <laughs> 
because the next night I'm thinking, okay, there's no way they're going to come back. Sure enough, that two o'clock, three o'clock rolls around and I wake up, you know, just to the, to the sound of something, you know, I, I think my mind was on high alert now from the previous night and I'll be darned. I hear some rustling around in the kitchen and I'm like, there's no way they came back. So I kind of, I get up and, and of course, again, I grab shoes and <laughs> I came out with an armful and I flipped the lights on in the kitchen and there they are. Same three, well, not, you know, I don't know if they're the same. I'm assuming they're the same three. And there they are eating the cat food, just hanging out in the kitchen like, the, like it's their poker night, you know? And so I flip the lights on. They start freaking out. They start running all over the front of the house as I'm chucking shoes at them again. And it just hit him. And there was one, I remember, as he was trying to get out out of the window, he was a little too slow. And I'm literally sitting there whacking him with a sandal as he's climbing his way out the window. And then they, they run out and they run down the stairs. And I opened up the door and chucked the shoe out into the street after him. And I'm like, you know, okay, so they're gone again. I'm like, dude, these are some pretty gutsy uh, raccoons. I mean, this is amazing. They got... That's some stick determination, if anything. So I'm thinking, okay, there's, I don't think they're going to come back again. But just in case they do, I'm going to make this fun for me. So I laid a trap. And the next night before I went to sleep, of course, I left the kitty, uh, little kitty door window thing open. And before I went to sleep, I, I, I used to be really into paintballing. And so I had a, a pretty decent paintball gun it was made by piranha and i had the you know the compressed air tank all filled up to 3000 psi i had a full hopper of like good like pro gamer grade paintballs and i i went to sleep just laying that next to the bed just ready to go just in case i didn't think they'd come back really you know i would have figured if they did i might as well you know have some fun with it so sure enough as i'm laying there i wake up and i hear just the little click clack of you know of uh of claws on the hardwood floor in the kitchen and then i hear a second set and then i hear the you know a third set pop down into the kitchen and i'm like yes they're in again now i'm happy about it and so i i reach over i grab the paintball gun and you know i, I didn't leave it charged so i twisted the you know the air on i cocked it and then as quietly as I could, I just crept out of the bedroom. I took a left down the hallway, and there's like a, you know, a, a little corner you have to go around to get to the kitchen. And so I'm there, and I reach over, and I flip the light switch on. And there they are, the three of them. down. You know, two of them are at the cat bowl, and the other one, the, I guess this guy watches the door for the other two all the time because he's back over there by the window. And they all, they freeze. They look at me, and then I just started unloading paintballs. Just like, you know, bam, bam, bam. I'm shooting paintballs all over the kitchen. I'm hitting the walls. I'm hitting pictures, chairs. But, you know, half of them are hitting these raccoons. And I'm not aiming for their faces or anything. I'm not some kind of inhumane jerk. Like I said, don't call PETA, all right? But I'm hitting them in the butt, and you can hear it hitting their fur. Just, <laughs> and I know it hurts. They're freaking out. They're scampering is that the word scampering scratching around trying to get out of the window and i'm i'm just shooting them 
They go out the door. I fling the door open. I shoot and pop, 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 as they're running down my stairs. I chase them down the stairs, and they're running across the street to try to get to their like little storm drain thing. And I'm just sitting there, just bam, 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 just hit. And I'm, I've never had this good an aim with a paintball gun ever, but every shot is just hitting big raccoon butt as they're going across the street. And then finally they get to their little storm drain, and they go down in there. And I'm, I'm standing in the middle of the street. I got my sandals on. I'm wearing like boxers and no shirt, and, and I have my paintball gun. And then I, I look over, and <laughs> this is like something out of a movie. There's one of my neighbors, and he's standing there like with a trash bag, you know, in his hand with his arm outstretched over the trash can that's open, just with like a frozen, dumbfounded look on his face about what he's watching me do. <laughs> and I, I look over at him, and all I could think to say was, raccoons <laughs> and he's like yeah <laughs> and i just walked away i never talked to that guy again i was too embarrassed and uh so i went back to bed and um you know what's funny is that those darn things they actually came back for a fourth night this time though i left the uh uh i left the cat door shut because <laughs> i didn't want to do that but they came back so early i was still awake and I hear them like messing with the little uh, little cat window, like trying to get in there. But the cool thing is, there's a there was a balcony attached to my apartment that I could go out on, and I, I actually I could see my own like front door window thing. So I I got the paintball gun again, and I just leaned over the edge of the balcony, and just you know I went D-Day on these little guys. <laughs> I almost felt bad for them because they were trapped in my little entryway, and I did it again. I unloaded on these guys all the way across the street. It was beautiful. Uh, they didn't come back again. So, those of you out there who might have a raccoon problem, uh, paintball gun seems to be a very enjoyable yet messy way to uh, eliminate the problem. Or you could get a a, a giant uh, Great Dane like Steve has. I'm sure uh, he does not have raccoon problems. Anyway, thanks for listening to my crazy story. See you next time.